and I'm running like I'm running down the street and I'm seeing people and I'm passing people and I'm getting arrested naked. And I'm, oh my God, I'm getting arrested naked. Hello and welcome to AD Speaks Digital Marketing Talk Show. Here we share with you cool tools, tips and tricks, and lots of useful information and insights to help you get more leads and customers for your business. The power of storytelling for business influencing. That's what we are touching upon in today's episode. Today I have a very interesting guest. I'm so excited to be speaking to none other than the master storyteller, Doug Stevenson. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Stevenson is the founder of Story Theater Method, and he does trainings and workshops with the who's who in the industry, you name it, Microsoft, Google, Oracle, you name it. So I'm super, super excited to have him and consider myself very privileged and lucky to be speaking to somebody of his stature. And let's learn from him today how we can tell stories that stick, the stories that influence, and stories that can make a difference and help us leave our impact in this world. Welcome to the show, Doug, and I'm super, super, super excited to have you today with me. I'm excited to be here with you. Thanks. All right, so let's begin. I want the first question that I'm very, very interested in learning uh, about you is what was your childhood like and how did that impact you in what you have become today or you know now? Well, I grew up in inner city Chicago. I'm a, I'm a city kid. So I grew up in Chicago, uh, public schools, all that kind of thing. My dad was an insurance salesman for an insurance company, but it was what he did outside of work that was most interesting. My dad was always at the front of the room. He was the president of every club. He was the one who would run the meetings. He was the Boy Scout leader, the Cub Scout leader. I watched my dad from a very early age leading meetings and being just so gracious and so comfortable and so engaging at the front of the room and and and, and i remember one time at a, at a boy scout meeting he was up there and he was reading a poem i don't i don't know what the poem was i don't know what the circumstance was but he was reading a poem and i just thought that was so beautiful and that i was just mesmerized and i could see that everybody around me was just mesmerized and i thought Wow, that's a real that's a real talent. I, I really respect my dad for that. Well, many, 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 many years later, after going to Hollywood to try and be a, a, an actor and everything, all of a sudden there I am at the front of the room being a professional speaker. Well, how did I get from I'm a kid in Chicago watching my dad to I'm a professional speaker at Oracle and Microsoft and Google and Verizon and 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 Pfizer and all of these different things? How did I get there? Well, my path was kind of interesting. You see, at a very early age, I knew I wanted to be an actor. I was fascinated by actors and especially the sidekick, the guy who is the sidekick, the, the comic relief. I was fascinated by that guy. I really related to that character. And so I knew that I wanted to do that, but I didn't have any outlets. And my parents didn't, they weren't like, oh, we're gonna like send our kid to acting school. So at the age of 19, after a boring year of college, I dropped out of college. I got into an acting class in Chicago and I was hooked. It's like, oh my gosh, this is the real thing. So I was in this acting class. I was studying acting. I had dropped out. So I was driving taxis, anything I could do just to make a living, but be available to go on auditions and, and be in plays and whatever. Well, I was, I was doing this whole thing in Chicago, but at that time it was 1970. And I had just been in a play that you might've heard of 
a musical that was an original musical called Grease. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. Well, it was the first time it had ever been presented. And I auditioned and I got cast as Danny Zuko. Wow. And so I was in this play, Danny Zuko, and I was doing this thing that was the hottest ticket in town, but we weren't getting paid. It was community theater, it was free theater, it was a hot ticket, but I wasn't making any money. And I did a couple of other plays and I wasn't making any money. And there wasn't much of a way to make a living in Chicago as an actor, commercials maybe, but I, I couldn't get anywhere. And so at a certain point I realized I need to get to Hollywood. I've got to get to Hollywood. I'm never going to make it here. I want to be in movies. And so I, I had this plan, this master plan, this perfect plan that I was going to save $1,000 and I was going to pay off my Volkswagen bug that I was buying from my dad. And once I had that all in place, I was going to go. Well, a year after I announced this to my friend Susan, we're sitting there after acting class at one o'clock in the morning having a late breakfast. And she said, Doug, you're still here. A year ago, you said you had this master plan and you were going to go to Hollywood, well, well, how, how are you doing with your master plan? Have you saved $1,000? I said, no, I haven't saved anything. I mean, I, I, I'm barely making enough to pay the rent. She said, well, have you paid off your car? And I said, no, I haven't made any payments at all. And she said, Doug, what are you doing? This perfect plan that you have for everything to be right is not coming together. When are you going to go? And I said, Susan, I'm going to go when I have $1,000. She said, Doug, 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 you've been saying that for a year. At the rate you're going, you're never going to leave. So here's what you need to do. Pick a date. I looked at her, I'm like, what are you talking about? Pick a date. She says, your master plan probably will never work. Things don't ever work out perfect. Just pick a date. And on that date, you'll go. And it doesn't matter what that date is, because between now and that date, you're going to start to get your act together. Believe me, the urgency will hit and you'll start to get your act together. Right. So I went home and I got out a calendar and I picked September 15th. It was May when we had this conversation. I started working really hard, driving extra hours, saving my money, doing whatever I could. And on September 15th, I went over to my parents' house. I said goodbye. I went out to a freeway and I stuck my thumb out because all I had was $250 and a backpack full of clothes and a, and a, and a duffel bag. So, and I was petrified, but I was determined, I'm gonna go. And what I learned from this experience, because six days after I stuck my thumb out, I was in Los Angeles and I made it. I mean, I made it, I, I, I made it to LA. Now the next chapter would begin. But what I learned from that experience is sometimes when you wanna make a change, a really important, a big change in your life and you keep putting it off because you're waiting for the perfect time, perfect time might never come. Right. Pick a date. Now, how about you? And anybody listening to this, have you ever had a change that you wanted to make? that you knew you needed to make, it was important for you to make it, but you were scared. Maybe it was gonna be painful or difficult. So you put it off, you kept waiting for the right time, but the right time never comes. Well, here's my challenge for you. Pick a date. Right. Now I just gave you an example of a story that I tell to illustrate how do you make a change. At the same time, I introduced you to who I am. That's right. I wanted to be an actor. I hitchhiked to Hollywood. Da, da, da. It's got drama. It's got visuals. You probably saw it. You might felt a little bit of it. But that is an example of the story theater method that I teach, while at the same time, I'm telling you an origin story. So I use stories very strategically, always very strategically. I don't just tell a story for the, the heck of it because it's it's interesting. No, there's got to be a reason, a purpose. It has to fit a category, change leadership, diversity, 
customer service, teamwork. It's got to fit into some utility. And so that's that's an origin story for me. That's one of those. And there's all kinds of more to it. I could tell you about hitchhiking from Hollywood, Chicago to Hollywood. I mean, that's a fabulous story. There's a lesson in there. I can tell you about what happened once I was in Hollywood for 13 years and I wasn't making it and how I knew I had to get out. And what did I do? Pick a date. I had to once again come full circle. I used pick a date to get there and I had to use pick a date to get out because I was so wounded. I was so sad. I was so frustrated that I hadn't made it after 13 years that I picked a date and I left. And I ended up in Colorado Springs. And that's a whole other story because that's where I got into real estate. That's where I started teaching storytelling. I became a professional speaker, a storytelling and business master storytelling guy, all of that. Wonderful. So good to hear that story. And really, it got me hooked. I was like experiencing it, you know, multiple times over and over again, what you might have gone through with that backpack and with that 250 bucks in your pocket. Um, uh, so pick a date and that sticks, like just pick a date and do it like Nike, just do it similar to that. Pick a date, just do it. It's right? called a phrase that pays pick a date, just do it, make yeah. your move there. It's called a phrase that pays. And it's one of the techniques that I teach that is most helpful for storytellers because where most storytellers seem to fall down is when they make the point, right? It's called a point, not a paragraph. When you get to the end of the story, you don't explain, you don't train, you make a point. Right. Pick a date. Pick a date. <coughs> Wonderful. I just love that, you know, insight that I just had a little bit of an aha moment that uh, you make a point at the end of it. You just make a small point, not a paragraph. So wonderful. And and so do you have like an inventory of stories already ready-made, cooked that you can use anytime, any, anywhere in any context? Like, have you spent lots of time preparing this inventory of stories and so you can pull it out in the right time at the right context at the right time? Well, the answer is that I started out with one really hilarious, amazing, well-crafted piece of story theater. And it's my streaking story. When I was in LA in 1974, there was a theater exercise and they, we were told to leave the building and go out and do the, do something that you'd be afraid to do, something you'd never do. Well, my partner and I went streaking and we ended up getting arrested naked and taken to a police station. And I, I, I knew immediately the next day that it's like, oh my God, that's juicy. I mean, that's some good stuff. I mean, getting arrested naked, streaking, that's funny. And I tried to do it as a stand-up comedy thing, but I did not know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I stood still and I told the story and it wasn't funny because it was just facts. It was just narrative. Well, I was really frustrated because I thought I have material. I just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Well, as an actor, I, I didn't do my own material. I wasn't a stand-up comic. I was a character actor. You need to give me a role. You need to give me a context. You need to give me a play, a movie, whatever. And I could sink into the role. But Doug, just being Doug, telling a story, I didn't know how to do it. Fast forward 14 years. Now I'm in Colorado Springs. Now I'm teaching storytelling. I'm teaching presentation skills. One day, I'm in front of an audience doing this thing on presentation skills. And all of a sudden, without thinking about it, I said, hey, do you guys want to hear a funny Hollywood story? And I started telling my streaking story, but this time, by now, I was no longer locked into this. I'm an actor and I sink into role. I'd been speaking for a while and I was starting to develop my own Doug. 
my own personality, my own freedom. I started telling this story about going streaking. And when I got to the part where I jumped out of the Volkswagen bus naked and started running down the street, I didn't talk about it. I didn't narrate it. I did it. Here I come. Oh my God, here I come. And I'm acting it out and I'm running like I'm running down the street and I'm seeing people and I'm passing people and I'm getting arrested naked. And I'm, oh my God, I'm getting arrested naked. And I acted the whole thing out. Right. People were laughing so hard. There were tears coming down their faces. And as I walked out and got back in my car and I was driving home, I thought something just happened. What is that? I didn't just tell it. I became it. And that was the genesis for story theater. Narrative, action. Narrative, action. Dialogue, scenes, narrative. All of this combined into this amazing thing that I call story theater. And over the years, you asked me, do I have a lot of different stories? It started out with one. And then as I started to speak around the country, I was speaking on change and I had to have different stories that related to change. And so I started to come up with stories that would illustrate an aspect of change that I wanted to teach. And over the years, I would do more and more and I'd find one here and I'd find one there and I'd develop another one here and another one there. And well, they start to happen as you live your life. But the thing that I'm about is the strategy, the utility of story. If something happens to me, that I think might be a story, I immediately stop and say, Douglas, what's the point? What's the point? What would you use this for? Right. Well, does it fit into the topic that you teach? Right. Well, if it doesn't, put it on the shelf. You don't need it. It's, it's like having a tool that you don't need. It's like you're doing a carpentry job and you got plumbing tools. Well, I don't need plumbing tools. I need carpentry tools. Well, I use stories very strategically. So yes, I have about eight or nine maybe 10 stories that I've told over the years, depending on the audience, depending on the need, the utility. So I see them, I grab hold of them, I put them on the shelf, I wait until I need it. It's like, oh, I need that story about that leader who was up in front of the room. Oh, that's a good leadership story. Right. And so I, I developed them over time. But I um, always use my nine steps of story structure, yeah. my phrase that pays, all of the things that I teach in my book in my video learning series, all of these different things that I've got. So if, if those people that are watching want to know how to, how to learn more, yes, this is the book. This is the book. Story this is the book, Doug Stevenson story. It's on Amazon. It's downloadable, or you can, you know, you can buy the hard copy. You're in Singapore. So, you know, go to Amazon or whatever and buy it downloadable. It's Doug Stevenson story theater method teaches the whole methodology. It's just, I have had so much fun developing this over the years. 25 years I've been doing this all over the world, in Singapore as well. It's been a fabulous journey, but it evolves. The so stories show up. So, so, so Doug, the next question that's coming to my mind, and it's just flowing. I mean, I'm not in a prepared zone right now. But the next question that's coming to me is that a lot of us are self-conscious. We have this thing, oh, I don't know how to be funny. I can't be acting. I'm no good at acting. Like I myself joined an improvisation theater workshop because I wanted to break out of that inhibition. And in improv, they teach you to exaggerate things like crazy. Like how much can you exaggerate? Like, like crazy beyond your imagination. So, and I believe that I still was the most boring 
you know, exaggerator in the whole bunch of gang that I was with, you know, because, uh, and, and even though we were all learning uh, improv for the first time, uh, what do you, what would you, uh, you know, give as an advice to those people who don't think that they are, they've got the acting, uh, you know, bug in them or that they are funny or, you know, that they can be funny. It, it takes a lot of courage, you know, if you're not funny to fake it uh, or, or if you're not an actor to fake it. So what is your advice for those people? I so relate to that because as an actor, I could sink into a role and be absolutely free, just so courageous because it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I could hide at the front of the room as an actor. I could be in front of a thousand people and be hiding inside the play, inside the, because I didn't have to deal with the audience. I didn't have to do it. But when I started speaking and they were looking at me, <laughs> the insecurity was insane. I mean, I was like so freaked out. And I thought, why am I so petrified up here? What am I afraid of? And I realized I don't have a character. There is no Doug. And over a period of time, I had to confront that and say, well, what is Doug? Who is Doug? What is, what is Doug's funny? What is Doug's joyous? What is Doug's playful? What is Doug? Because I was so darn insecure. Even though I could pull it off, I was insecure. And it took me quite a long time, as I said, to start finding my freedom and start appreciating my gift. Because I'd always been funny. I was naturally funny. I was, I was voted the most um, funny guy in high school. You know, it was like, I, I've always been hilarious, but I didn't know how to capture it. I didn't know how to bottle it. It took me a long time to stop comparing myself to other people. You go to an improv class and what do you first do? Oh, she's funny. Oh, look <laughs> at him. He's really funny. Well, I'm not funny. No, you're not funny like her. You're not funny like him. Well, I'm not funny like anybody else. I'm funny like Doug. And it took me a long time. So here's a lesson. Number one, get out of your own way. Just get out of your own way. Stop comparing yourself and trying to think, well, that's the way it's done. Well, that's what, no, you do it the way you do it. One of the ways you learn how to do you is watch yourself when you're not on stage, when you're comfortable, when you're with your friends, when you're at a party, when you're it, it, wherever it is that you're most comfortable, just being you out there in the world with nobody watching and you're aware nobody's watching. And so you're just you and yeah. you're playful. And, and you probably get a laugh once in a while just by being naturally you. That's your funny. That's your personality. That's your stage presence. And what I finally learned as I was working with hundreds and hundreds of coaching clients on their stories is everybody is so afraid to be real and to be vulnerable and to tell the vulnerable truth of who they are through their story. And finally, I came up with this one phrase love yourself and let them watch mm. love yourself accept yourself believe in yourself know that you're fine just as you are you don't have to be better smarter better looking have a degree it's like i don't have a i don't even have a college degree and i did not make it in hollywood and when i got to colorado i was a realtor i was an average realtor i wasn't top salesperson when i came into speaking i thought well i don't what do i have I have no credentials of any kind. I have not been speaking all over the world for 25 years with no credentials. What have I got? This. What have you got? That. 
Your credential is who you are, your entire life. And your stories give you credibility because your life experience gives you credibility. It gives you gravitas, it gives you strength. Your stories make you amazing. And when I came into speaking, I would get up in the front of the room and I would be really good. And nobody asked me about my degree. And nobody asked me, why did you fail in Hollywood? You seem to be so bad. No, I was good at the front of the room. It took a while for me to embrace me. And when I did, that was it. It just took off. Right. So that's it. Love yourself. What I, what I hear you say. Watch. Yeah, wonderful. I, I was actually very deeply drawn to what you said right now, because most often we are, we become our worst critics and we get in our way, right? So, and, yes, and we do. what you said about embracing yourself and you as who you are is amazing. Uh, and I think we are taught that we should not be, you know, having these grandiose thing ideas about who we are. It's others who should say that about how great we are, right? Uh, and I think most of the time that gets in the way that how can I believe that I'm great? It is other people who should say I'm great, right? Uh, and I think if you have any if you have any advice on how to get past that block that I can't be tooting my own horn, somebody else has to say good things about me. That that external need for uh, that need for external validation. How can we get past that, dude? Uh, well, know. there are there, there's there's something cultural going on with you in Asia that does not go on with us in the United States. I see. See, I grew up, uh, we, we I grew up, and once along the line, I heard somewhere I can't remember where I said somebody said, "If you don't toot your own horn, nobody's gonna know you've got music." <laughs> well, that's very different than what you're going through. Because in the United States, it's fine to toot your own horn. That right. doesn't mean you're an egotistical jerk. That means that you have enough self-esteem to say, I've got some good stuff over here. I'm talented. I'm valuable. I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional. I can provide value, value that is worth something to you. So it takes a while to grow into that. And I certainly, I have to admit to you, I started speaking when I was 44. Oh. I didn't go full-time professional till I was 48. I was older. I had done a lot of self-analysis. I had done a lot of therapy. I had done a lot of work on myself. I had had terrible relationships and lots of failures and lots of self-sabotage. And it took me a while to finally say, Douglas, what are you doing to yourself? They're not the problem. These people that are not choosing you are not the problem. You need to choose you. If you want somebody else to choose you, choose you first. Right. So I had to choose me. And so this whole thing about I need validation from other people. Well, of course, I can't, I can't make a living if somebody doesn't hire me. Well, that's validation. But you know what? I've been chosen lots. I've been chosen plenty. It's the part of me that says I'm never chosen. Nobody ever chooses me. That's, that's the lie. That's not the truth. The lie is, oh, I didn't get chosen to be a movie star. Oh, well, that's the only one that counts. So never mind for the rest of it. See what we do? It's craziness. You gotta, you've got you've to believe in yourself and love yourself and appreciate yourself and know that what you have to offer organically, truthfully, honestly, vulnerably, you is enough. 
and you don't have to be anything else. And you take that out there and some people are going to look at you and go, oh my God, I love you. You're just amazing. You're exactly what we want. And somebody else is going to look at you and go, no way. Uh-uh, no. That's true for me at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah. And all through my life, there's people who I interview with and they say, no, 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 we're going another direction. We're not going to hire you. And other people hire me and say, oh my God, you that, that was the best. It's just, it's the same me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in one room, I'm masterful. In another room, I'm not the right guy. Yeah. It's not me. It's not me. It's It can't be me. So, so I, I get that. I mean, that's a wonderful insight that first you've got to choose you and then they will choose, you know, whoever wants to choose you, some will choose, some will not choose, but that's not on you, right? That's on them. And the first thing that you got to choose is yourself. That I choose me. What, what, a, what a brilliant insight. In fact, I think uh, it's, it's destiny because I'm going through a lot of this myself, uh, you know, and maybe it's the stars are aligning that I had to find somebody like you in my life too. Uh, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. The so stars the are always aligning. The stars are always aligning. When they're not going according to your plan, they are aligned. Yeah. When they're going according to your plan, they're aligned. It's just that sometimes it doesn't feel like this is the perfect plan for me. I'll tell you what, when I was miserable in Hollywood, I didn't feel like, oh, my gosh, this is so perfect. <laughs> I was miserable. <laughs> now, looking back, it's like, ah, everything was in perfect order. I just didn't like a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other thing that I, uh, I'm really keen in learning about from you is, uh, you know, uh, an instance where you transformed a boring presentation into a captivating one and the process uh, that you, you know, went through with any one client or any interesting story that comes to mind where you transform not just for you and what you do for yourself, but for someone else and you help them transform their boring story into something that could captivate and that could influence and, uh, you know, do the job that it was supposed to do for them. Well, I've, I've worked with hundreds of students um, yeah. teaching my story theater method. And what it always comes down to is, are they willing to breathe into the story, not just tell it? So here's the difference. When you narrate a story, tell it, it's easy to, it's easy to stand outside of it and talk about this thing that happened way back when. Mm -hmm. The story becomes transformed when you stop talking about that way back then and you take a scene from that and you bring it into this present moment and you do it. In other words, instead of talking about this dilemma and describing this dilemma in narrative terms, what I do is, for instance, there's a scene in my Hitchhiking to Hollywood story I'm sitting in this car, this guy picked me up and we're driving down the road and I'm really worried about how this is gonna work out. And I'm thinking to myself, this car is too small. I, I'm, I'm like, I can't breathe in this car. This thing is so tiny and I've got a backpack on my back and I've got a duffel bag here and it's like pressing against me and it's like this tiny little sports car. I gotta get out of this thing, but it's raining. I don't wanna, I don't wanna get out. I, I'm like, what am I gonna do? but I got to go all the way from Iowa to Denver. It's a long way. And I don't want to get out in the rain. It's freezing out there. Yeah. You see what I just did? 
yes. I've turned away from you. I call it self-talk, inner monologue. Right. And I do it. And I'll do that. And then I'll say, and so we're, and I'll come back to narrative. So I did that. And then I say, so we're driving down the road and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this car because it's raining. And all of a sudden, alongside of us comes this Volkswagen bus. Yes. Now, the next place that I know somebody that I can stay with is Denver. And on the back of this Volkswagen bus, there's a decal. And it says, University of Denver. Oh my gosh, <laughs> they're, they're, that bus, I bet you they're going to Denver and it's a, it's a Volkswagen bus. So I turned to the guy next to me and I said, pull up next to this guy, pull up next to these guys in the Volkswagen bus, pull up, I got to talk to them. He's like, what are you talking about? Pull up next to them. I got to see if I can get a ride with them. So we pull up next to these guys on the freeway at 60 miles an hour. And I roll down my window and I go, hey, you guys, hey, hey, whoa, hey, yo, hey. Are you going to are you going to Denver? That's where I'm going. I'm hitchhiking and I'm going to Denver. Can you give me a ride to Denver? The guy looks back, takes a minute and says, sure. Pulls over to the side of the road. I get out. I get into the Volkswagen bus. For the next 18 hours, I'm cruising along in the back of this Volkswagen bus with a couple of guys who are college students, and they took me to the doorstep of the dorm where I had a friend at the University of Denver. What did I learn from this experience? Read the signs. The universe is giving you signs, helping you out. Read the signs. When I saw University of Denver, I could have just thought, well, that's interesting. But I didn't just read it. I activated it. I did something. So you see how I'm acting things out? Yep. That's when a story goes from, well, that was an interesting story to that's a compelling story. Because as I get excited and I start, yeah, hey, you guys, I start doing all that. You're there. Yeah. You're no longer just an audience member sitting there bored to tears. You have to be paying attention. You can't not pay attention to me. This is where I discovered Doug. Right. Doug is a crazy guy. <laughs> I am the guy who's too big and crazy. I've always been the guy who's too big and crazy. That's who I was as an actor. That's who I am as a speaker. That's who I am as a human being. So when I embrace that and let that come out, audiences went, that's awesome. Teach me how to do that. And when they started to say, teach me how to do what you're doing, I knew I was on to something and I've been doing it for 25 years. That's awesome. the story theater awesome. method. That was a fabulous demonstration, Doug. I mean, I was... <laughs> It was really something so good, so good. Uh, I am impressed. Totally. Don't just talk. And, and, Don't and I'm sure. Just yeah. talk. Enact it, act it, feel it. Well, get into it, feel it. You were there <laughs> when you're telling your story. You were there when it happened. You know right. what it felt like. You know what it was like. You know what the environment around you was. Get into it, be there in that environment, and let it come alive for your audience. And they will do what you just did. And everybody watching this, all of you just went, you just went right into that little car with me where I was like, and you saw the rain and you felt- I, I even imagine, I even, I even imagined the vehicle, you know, that whole Denver, Colorado thing with the, I, I don't know, I imagined it in blue color. The Denver was written in blue color. Like imagine you get so visual when you are seeing uh, somebody tell the story the way you did. 
to so our was, story was, theater. Yeah, I was transported yeah. there. So it's, it's really, fun. really awesome. So good. Okay, so tell me, tell me, Doug, uh, who are the in in your opinion? Like, of course, you are the you are you are really good, and I'm uh, definitely in awe of you now. Who are the other top three storytellers that you think are really good at uh, you know storytelling, and uh, what do you like about them? Three people that come to mind, and what are the three things? Uh, I mean, uh, what are the things that stand out? Well, un unfortunately, uh, you're probably looking for me to give you names of celebrities. No, anybody whom you think. Well, the, the people that I have grown, grown up with in the professional speaking business are people you would never know who they are. I see. Now, I see. if you want to go to YouTube and look for some of these people, one of them is Jeannie okay. Robertson. Okay. Okay. J-E-A-N-N-I-E -E Robertson. Uh -huh. Okay. R-O-B-E-R-T-S-O-N. Jeannie Robertson. Go to YouTube uh -huh. and watch her videos. Mm -hmm. Now, this woman just died. She is one of the funniest, most amazing, crafty storytellers of all time. Another one that you can study on YouTube is Donald Davis. Okay. Look at those two people, because what you're looking there is, is professional storytellers, people who really understand the craft. Right, right. And, and uh, other than that, I mean, I, I, I watch actors, I watch comedians, I watch people who I just find are so engaging and so fascinating to watch, but they're all over the place. But those are two people you could go and watch. And also, I have probably 15 or 20 videos on YouTube or I'm telling stories and you can watch me telling stories. I have a Ted talk. Yeah. Yeah. That people can watch. It's called how to talk to a bigot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a TEDx talk that I did in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and you can watch me delivering a Ted talk using the format that I teach people how to use to make a Ted talk because a Ted talk is a whole, genre unto itself and everybody okay. seems to want to do a ted talk so you yeah, can watch man. that one but uh, <laughs> yeah there, that that's that's some stuff you can watch on youtube okay wonderful so guys um what is the time yeah we we are closing to our time now thank you doc thank you for sharing uh, all those wonderful insights and uh, really taking away a lot from this uh, talk and i know it's a lifetime of achievement and it's difficult to encapsulate it in uh, you know a 30 minute podcast so i invite all my listeners and people who are watching this to really take a you know uh, take time out and study what doug has to talk about read his book go to his website enroll for his courses and doug I, you I, do you have I, anything special to offer for my listeners today <laughs> well i i i just released my podcast. You've got a podcast. Well, I just have one now. It's called Storytelling That Sticks for Business and Life. And it's on Spotify and Apple and Amazon and Google and, uh, it, you know, all of the places where you, you'd get a podcast. But certainly that's a place where you can go to study with me on a regular basis and learn from me, my story theater method, the tools and techniques and hacks that I teach. Storytelling That Sticks for Business and Life. It's my new podcast. 
Okay, guys, so we will share the link to that podcast right below this video and in the audio. So definitely go and check it out. Uh, storytelling for business with Doug Stevenson. Thank, Thank you, you, Doug. Thank you so much for your time. And it, uh, it's been an honor and a privilege to speak with you today. And thank you. Thank you so, so much. All the best for you and your listeners. Thank you. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it useful. Your support and feedback is invaluable. So please don't forget to like, follow and subscribe for more such business growth hacks. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn and Facebook. See you soon.